Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Partial Historians. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Greenfield. And I am the fabulous counterpart to Dr. Greenfield, Dr. Radford. <laughs> and might I add, you're looking fabulous today. <laughs> Why, thank you. It helps that we're not both dying of the flu, <laughs> like we were last time. <laughs> uh, we, we have rever- uh, returned uh, to health, which is uh, a positive. It We've is. also returned from our brief sojourn. Yes. Uh, and... Today, we will be continuing our examination of Tiberius. Yes, I I like to think of Tiberius as an enigma, wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in a toga. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he would have been wrapped in a toga in the end. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's the the way to go. Yeah. (laughs) So, when we left you, it has at quite a critical juncture. (laughs) A very climactic moment. It was, it was. Augustus died in 1480. Now, of course. Collective sigh. Yeah. Mehmet sounds. No, not really. This is, this is radio. We don't have time. For yeah. that. <laughs> um, which is rather a difficult situation in the sense that, as we have uh, informed you so far, Augustus had gradually built up a new system, essentially. Hmm. Yeah, it wasn't the Republic. Yeah, he'd sort of yeah. cobbled together a range of odd little ends of power and he'd been applying them in various ways Mm. and there was kind of a system set in place but it's essentially ad hoc yes uh, ultimately ad hoc and it doesn't really make any provision for what happens after Augustus goes he's cobbled these things together personally and he's probably lucky I mean he and the system are probably lucky that he survived for such a lengthy period of time because it at least allowed people to adjust to this new system to get used to it you know the system could evolve a little bit but well, but at the same time... It depends on who you were to how you felt about well, the of system. Course. Yeah, of course. I'm not saying they, they liked it, but, you know, it's kind of, you know, familiar. They're, they're it's not, yeah, exactly, in yeah. some way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, but then, of course, when he dies, as you say, what is going to happen? It's not exactly a hereditary position. No, definitely not. And so we're left with a very sort of tricky and delicate political situation. Yeah, most particularly for my beloved Tiberius. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tiberius. Yeah. I mean, at this stage, he does hold all of the powers that he needs to hold yes. to sort of have Augustus covered. Yes. Uh, but this doesn't mean that this is that it's, you know, set in stone. No. That there will be a Augustus transition. Augustus hasn't said, hey, guys, when I pass away, I want Tiberius mm-hmm. to be the guy. <laughs> what about that guy? Yeah, exactly, yeah. He's pretty, pretty good looking. He's pretty good. <laughs> He's got the octoritas you're looking I think, for. I think you're pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a difficult situation, and although yes, I can see technically Tiberius had all the all the powers that he needed, I think it's perhaps understandable that he does seem to hesitate a little bit. Um, in that he doesn't just jump in there and go, "Hey, yeah. I am the guy you are waiting for." <laughs> I just want you to think about me as like the new Augustus. Yes, he definitely does not do <laughs> no, that. No, no, <laughs> he's very hesitant. And I he think is. this says something about his character yes. and, and the delicacy of the situation that he faces. So yes. He sort of calls the Senate together and is like, look, what are we going to do about this? Yeah. And and the Senate's a bit taken aback, I suppose. Like, yeah, and they're like, yeah. you're asking us. Yeah, like, surely. <laughs> you've got all the, the powers that yeah. Augustus gave you. <laughs> this is a bit of a topsy-turvy world. Is it opposite day? Yeah. <laughs> the fact that he seems to be asking to permission from the Senate yes. uh, in terms of what his his role should be yes. uh, catches people off guard yes. and, and puts a whole sort of uh, a sense of doubt over the start of his reign. Yeah. I, mean, I suppose that this is a good point to say that Tiberius um, I suppose he's quite different to Augustus in the sense that as you say he's not 
He's definitely not as charismatic. I will give you that. He doesn't yes. have that natural whisper. <laughs> <laughs> he is a bit more... I would say he's a bit more of a traditionalist. You know, like a yeah. traditional Roman, if I be permitted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and partly, I think, you can tie this back to the fact that he comes from a very sort of staid patrician family stock yes, by birth. the Claudians. The Claudians are steeped in patrician tradition. Yes, they are. They're <gasps> very... <laughs> uh, yes, they're very... So, so. <laughs> but Tiberius certainly hasn't made uh, a point of being hugely assertive. No. Uh, he's sort of gone along with what's been required of him by Augustus, yes. and he's been willing to defer, which is a sign of perhaps his pietas towards Augustus, mm. but perhaps also a sense in which he's not necessarily power hungry no either no he seems to be i mean by the time augustus dies as you can guess if you've, add, if you've done the math we said he was born in 42 bc tiberius is not a young man no not um, at all and he seems to have a great deal of respect for the republican traditions exactly. of the way that rome should operate yes and, and that's what i mean by traditional yeah, yeah yeah and the way that rome should operate is through the a vested senate. power of the senate yeah Exactly. And also, I think, and you know, I'm sorry, I am being a bit psychological here. <laughs> it's probably an anachronistic way of attacking Tiberius. But we talked a little bit about the fact that he's, you know, he's lost a lot of people that he's loved over the years. You know, he lost mm-hmm. his beloved wife. He lost his, lost his beloved brother. And Augustus has really treated him as a stand-in his whole life. Yeah, he's never been given uh, foremost preferential treatment. He's always been on the sidelines and only ever picked up. When, when the going gets tough. Yeah, I mean, when Augustus is running out of And this is in spite of the fact, this is in spite of the fact that he's always seemingly carried out his duties with distinction. You know, he yeah. you can't fault him as a military commander. No. And he certainly doesn't seem to have done anything, you know, horrifically wrong <laughs> as a consul or anything I like that. I think the trouble is he just doesn't have the same... Uh, he and and Augustus don't seem to gel personally. No. There there is that there is a personal issue there, it would seem, that is part of what is going on. Yeah. I mean somewhat oddly, I suppose, I would describe Tiberius as Taciturn. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because the historian Tacitus really hates him. <laughs> well <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. I think he Tacitus as a historian is obviously quite critical of Tiberius at certain points of time. Yes. Um but it is fervently argued by some uh, historians that uh, Tacitus' version of Tiberius is ultimately positive. Well, I, yeah, I know what you mean there. We'll get into that in a sec. But yeah, essentially um, the version of Tiberius that has come down through history is quite a negative one. Yes. Based primarily on the absolutely fantastically horrible history that Tacitus gives of his <laughs> reign. Um, I mean, you obviously have to go dive into the subtext and the context to mm. to realise what Tacitus is actually trying to say. But the you know the superficial reading is not good. Yeah, it's, it's not good. No. no, and I mean, things get off to a rocky start. It's not just the fact that uh, Tiberius seems to alienate the Senate in the early days, yes. but there's also a whole bunch of military uprisings that yeah. take place in the wake of Augustus's death. Yes, and this is nothing to do with Tiberius personally. I mean, I think all the sources admit that, yeah. even the ones that aren't so positive. Um, it's really just the fact that you finally got a change of rulers, and this is always mm. a time when people might decide to seize the day. <laughs> <laughs> Carpe <Yeah>. diem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the military conditions 
uh, are reasonably poor yes. at this stage. So they're fighting for better conditions. They're fighting for better pay. Yep. It's a good time to do it. Yep. And, and there are two of these in quite important yeah. areas. Yeah. And Tiberius cops the rap for being sort of the leader of Rome when these take place. But yep. it's really part of the Augustan legacy. Exactly. And a negative part of the Augustan legacy. Uh, that Tiberius is trying to smooth over and deal with, yes. even while his own rule is tenuous. Yes, and that's the thing. That's what I mean when I say, you know, he's felt like a stand in his whole life. I think what he was really looking for is um, if he was to take power, he really wanted the Senate to say, we want you. Mm. You know, we want you. He wanted to feel like he wasn't a stand in. Um, or, I mean, you could also argue that he really did, um, he really was legitimately a bit sick, perhaps, of being a part of the imperial... Well, he seemed to be interested in collaboration. Yes. What he wanted from the Senate seems yeah. to have been a collaborative approach to governing Rome and yes. its territories. Where he takes, where he has a little bit more of a backseat. Yeah. And yeah. the Senate wasn't really quite sure what to do with that. It yeah. didn't really fit... It seemed like a dangerous, <laughs> a dangerous proposition. Well, it didn't really fit what they'd been conditioned no, for. No, no. Uh, since and Augustus. understandably, they were worried that if they said, "Yeah, sure," that they might, you know, <laughs> suffer. <laughs> what are the repercussions for this? Yeah, and so it's it's and you know Tiberius again. I I freely admit he's not very good at coming out and saying what he wants. You know? <laughs> yeah, he seems he seems to be uh, an indifferent public speaker. Yeah, and so he can't just come out and say, "Look." I want to know you really want me to take this role. I want you to know that I, I want to know that I'm your first choice, or whatever it is. Whatever it is, he's actually trying to angle out here. Mm. I, I want to be a part of the Senate. I don't want to be in charge of everything. Whatever he wants, he doesn't seem to be able to just come out and say it. No, he seems to talk around in circles, yeah. and he, he kind of wants people to pick up on his messages. And yeah, and the Senate just doesn't. They, they just don't. <laughs> they just confuse, uh, and it yeah. just leads to more trouble. So there's a sort of a series of. Uh, uh, trials around conspiracy yep. during the early years of Tiberius's rule, yep. where it seems that some senatorial factions have decided uh, that they that this situation has to change. Yeah. Um, without going into vast amounts of detail about sure. that, um, yep. Tiberius takes a sort of really strong stance on that sort of thing. Yeah. And and starts putting people on trial. Yeah. Uh, this Good doesn't. Man. This he's doesn't. Such, this doesn't do anything for his popularity. Whatever. <laughs> Again, duty before popularity. <laughs> Unlike some people, I might. I've got to keep this yeah. thing running. You yeah. know. Yeah. On top of which, the, one of the first things that seems to have happened after um, he finally, you know, sort of does step into Augustus's shoes um, is the either the you know, the murder, it seems, or the political assassination, whatever you want to call it, of Agrippa Postumus. Um, the last grandchild of Augustus via Julia and Agrippa. Yeah, yeah. There's some accusations that, that Tiberius is one of his first commands yes. uh, when he finds out that Augustus has passed away is to, like, somebody go and kill that kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but even Tacitus could admit that perhaps, um, you know, Tiberius didn't know about these orders, that Augustus had yeah. put these in place. And, and that perhaps they were to be carried out in the event of his death. Exactly. Yeah, and it's difficult to know, but obviously the, the rumour mill around that doesn't do Tiberius any Exactly, favors. it doesn't really matter, in a sense, what the truth is. Mm. It's just the impression, you yeah. know, it's not a good, it's it not doesn't, a good start. It doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and this, this is, I think, this is just classic Tiberius. For the rest of his reign, which is actually reasonably lengthy, yeah, just yeah. things don't look good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it doesn't help that there is sort of uh, an affection in certain sections of the Roman society for Germanicus. Yes, this 
now adopted son yes. of Tiberius. Yeah, he seems to have the charisma that Tiberius is lacking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he seems to win himself a good deal of support. And when he dies in suspicious circumstances, yeah, which I mean, let's be fair, it's very <laughs> possible that he died of natural causes. It's possible. <laughs> it is. It is. In, it's entirely possible yeah. that Germanicus dies of natural causes. Yeah. But it seems suspicious at the time. Yeah. Cause and he, there is yeah. a prosecution laid yes. against certain members of the Senate because of it. Yep. And there is sort of a national outcry, if you like, yeah. about the loss of Germanicus because yeah. he is so, so popular, sort of publicly yeah. uh, adored. And I mean, and let's face it, it makes kind Tiberius of like, look bad again. Yeah, and kind of like Augustus and Tiberius, it seems that Tiberius and Germanicus, probably because of their very different temperaments, mm. didn't exactly gel. Yeah. <laughs> um, in that, you know, yeah. in they Germanicus, seem to rub each other the wrong they way. They do, yeah. Like Germanicus is, is one of the people that Tiberius sends to deal with one of those early revolts, for example. <laughs> And, he, you know, obviously Germanicus is just in charge of, you know, smoothing everything out. And he seems to do this in a really ridiculous way, <laughs> if, if Tacitus is to be believed. And naturally, um, Tiberius isn't thrilled with the way he handles things, because it's kind yeah. of a bit insane. Germanicus doesn't really follow orders. He kind of does, he kind of yeah. does things what his he own wants to way. Do. Yeah, and so Tiberius... And this be... puts Tiberius offside. Exactly. And, like, Tiberius actually handles it quite well, in that he doesn't get his back up too much. <laughs> but at the same time, there, there is a point where he has to say, oh, come on, cut the crap, Germanicus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is definitely a friction there. And so, yeah. Germanicus Germanicus's death sort of tars, yeah. uh, tarnishes uh, those, those early years of Tiberius' yes. rule as well. Yeah. And this, of course, uh, I mean, of course, people are going to be suspicious anyway because Germanicus <laughs> being out of the way means that Drusus, his natural son, is back in line, you know, for primary. Woo, for Drusus. Yeah, exactly. So it does look bad. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you that. Well, yeah, uh, but things don't work out well for Drusus, no, uh, again, son of Tiberius. Again, the tragedy of his reign. There seems to be a point at which Tiberius sort of throws up his hands in a little bit of horror and, and starts letting his advisors do a lot more of the running yes. of Rome. Yeah. Uh, because he's dissatisfied with the way relationships this, are going with the Senate. Yeah, and they're so servile. He starts to and, pull yeah. back and yep. he starts to, to let a sort of a trusted crew of yep. people around him start to take care of things. Yeah. One of these figures is Sejanus. Yeah, bad move, Tiberius. Bad move. <laughs> And as you know, it's classically the case, he puts the most trust in the person who seems to have deserved it the least. It's very Shakespearean. It is. <laughs> very Tacitine. Ah. <laughs> but yes. yeah, I mean Sejanus cops a hugely uh strong uh rap uh in Tacitus's account. Yes. And it seems at the very least that he's implicated in uh the murder of a number of members associated with Tiberius's mm, family possibly his son uh, some of Germanicus's children mm. uh, and and most importantly yeah Drusus Tiberius's yeah. own yeah. own natural son I mean he apparently did this by seducing Drusus's wife the villa mm. um, and together they plot his murder and this is not discovered until quite some years later mm. you know I mean obviously they know that Drusus dies <laughs> well yeah and Drusus yeah. dies in 23 AD yeah. yeah and and this seems to be the sort of the start of a bit of a a bit of a downward, downward spiral, spiral for yeah. Tiberius and we start to see him do uh, the sorts of things he's known for when the going gets tough. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> when the going gets tough, get out of there, Tiberius. Yeah, yeah. Run away. Oh, come on. He's an old man by this stage. <laughs> Run away. He's had nothing but tragedy um, his whole yeah. life. <laughs> he, ma- he makes a, a grand decision in 26 yeah. AD to 
leg foot it out of there. That's right. He leaves room behind. Leaves all those bad memories. He thinks to himself, you know what would be nice? Campania. (laughs) That'd be nice. It would be nice. And then then he gets there and he's kind of like, you know what would be even better? Somewhere that's that's not connected to Italy by water. (laughs) How about Capri? Yeah. That's over. That's over water. I'll give him points for having taste for where he decides to place himself. If you've ever been to Capri, it's worth it. If you're not going to be in Rome, Capri's pretty nice. It's awesome, yes. It's a little (laughs) island off Naples that he he eventually retires to. And he essentially never comes back. Like, he has a few... Yeah, when we say retires, it's only in a physical sense. He's still the emperor oh yeah of course. he's still princeps yeah, of yeah, rome yeah. but of course this does place and this is where i mean he's I think, doing all these admin by correspondence yeah and this is exactly the point i will concede that this is a this is a fail <laughs> <laughs> i will concede that much um in this day and age it's just not a practical decision well it's, um, it's even less practical then yeah exactly as i mean he's he he's, doesn't have the internet he's ab- exactly he's, he's really <laughs> is abdicating his responsibility working from home is he's not finally, the way to do yeah, the emperorship he, he really is finally putting himself first, perhaps at a time where it's not good to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this doesn't look good. No. Um, and he leaves, even worse, he leaves Sejanus in charge as yes. his man on the ground in yeah. Rome. Yeah, Sejanus just seems to get more and more powerful with Tiberius out of the way. Mm. And Tiberius seems to just trust him implicitly, particularly as it's around the time of his retirement, I think, that Sejanus apparently saved his life. And so he feels mm. that he really can trust this man. Yeah. Um, yeah. He feels like Sejanus has his best interests at heart. Yes. Little does he know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sad face. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so eventually, of course, well, not of course, eventually uh, Sejanus is un- discovered. He's unmasked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in, in, it's kind of too late. Um, yeah. The damage has been really done. been yeah, done. Yeah, exactly. Drusus is gone. Tiberius has no... Well, I mean, he has heirs, but not many. <laughs> and none that are... Yeah, well, yeah. Tiberius no longer has direct heirs. No, no direct heirs. Um, Drusus yeah. is gone. Uh, obviously, Germanicus has been gone for quite some time. Yep. And a whole bunch of Germanicus's children are also gone. Yeah, and he, I mean, Tiberius <laughs> is really old. <laughs> like, yeah. Like in, you know, ancient world, he really should be looking for someone because he could die mm. any day. <laughs> mm. And so, yeah, uh, like Augustus before him, he's starting to run out of options. But exactly. It, Unlike Augustus, he doesn't seem to be heaps concerned about that. Well, no, because I think, as you say, he doesn't has, really have a plan has, for succession. He has kind of checked out. <laughs> <laughs> and after, I mean, the, as you can imagine, the discovery of Sejanus's treachery, I mm. mean, you know, is that's, I think, really the final blow. You know, it just finishes off any chance that yeah. Tiberius is ever going to come back to Rome and... You know. Yeah, because there are a couple of occasions during his period after he's left Rome where he, uh, the sources suggest, tell us that he, he goes. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and one time he gets almost as close as the walls of the city itself and yes. then he's like, no. I can't do it. No, I can't do it. Go back. <laughs> Turn around. Just walk away. It's just really too many bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, Sejanus, he's over and done with by about 31 yeah, uh, and then we have sort of new men come into the frame, sort of looking after the day to day stuff in Rome. Yeah, mostly a guy called Macro that we don't know heaps about. Yeah, because um, Sejanus was, um, we should probably mention, uh, the head of the Praetorian Prefect, which is mm. like the imperial bodyguard. Yeah, um, and obviously this is a f- relatively new position because before you had this system, yeah, you had no Praetorians. <laughs> well, you didn't have need for an imperial guard no. if you weren't an imperial. Stick nation, did you? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Sejanus so is a bit of an upstart, uh, doesn't come from a hugely illustrious background, no. as his name indicates. Yeah. Uh, you've never heard of anyone called Sejanus before. 
for and no one you hear anyone after. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so he was he was head of the Praetorian Guard, and this is what Macro becomes. But the trouble the trouble with Tiberius being outside of Rome and attempting yes. to rule from outside of Rome is that it leads everybody to speculate what the hell is actually going on on Capri. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we get into the salacious stuff. <laughs> this is where things go downhill substantially. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the rumors begin. <laughs> Thank you, Suetonius. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Tacitus does mention them a little bit. You mm. know the. the uh, Tiberius was ashamed of his criminal lusts <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why he could never show his face in Rome again <laughs> hide away yes but then uh, yeah well you, you, you tell the story I can't I can't <laughs> oh really yeah. well I mean there's a whole range I mean Suetonius goes into a whole lot of detail and yeah. obviously a lot of this we have to assume is part of political invective Absolutely. against Tiberius yeah like what we talked about before uh, yeah. yeah we don't want to assume that he's necessarily the sort of guy who does these sorts of things no um, but we get sort of things like he gained a license of privacy yeah. And and once he has that license of privacy in yeah. Capri, this is where things start going downhill. Yeah. Uh, his love of wine gave him the name Biberius <laughs> uh, instead of Tiberius. <laughs> that is funny. Uh, to to imbim something if you like to drink. Um, uh, Calidus for Claudius uh, and Miro for Nero. Uh, so he gets a lot of um, uh, sort of drinking epithets. Yeah, but I think I think even more damningly, uh, the idea that he he taught uh, taught young boys um, to play between his thighs as he was swimming, <laughs> and prettily with tongue and teeth seemed to nibble at his secret secret parts. Mm. Likewise, that he took babies of good growth and strength, though not yet weaned, and set them to his private member as to the nipple of a breast to his suck. Penis. Yeah, I know. Like it's just. <laughs> Disgusting. Right? <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter. You train, train little boys whom he called his little fishes. Yeah, if anyone's ever seen the penthouse Caligula. Yeah. Well, it's heading in that sort of direction. It's heading in that direction, I yeah. mean, the sources spare no expense to give us the, the gross details. Yeah, I mean, this uh, is truly <laughs> disgusting stuff. So, I mean, in Capri's woods and groves, he contrived a number of spots for sex where boys and girls got up as pans, as in Pan, the, the god of the forest, yeah. and nymphs, solicited outside grottos and sheltered recesses. People openly called this the old goat's garden. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Punning on the island's name. Disgusting. <laughs> Even, uh, and heading in the similar direction, uh, uh, he sort of insults a very particular woman. We get the story of a woman called Melonia. Yeah, I mean, and this is what Suetonius says, that it was, um, he, you know, he got up to no good with with all sorts of women, including those of high birth and reputation, which, mm. as we know, is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he brought uh, Melonia mm. to his bed. She refuses to submit to him. Mm. Uh, he turns her over to informers. Uh, nice. <laughs> basically puts her on trial. Mm. And and she finally, when she finally gets out of this court situation, goes home and stabs herself. Mm. And, I like Lucretia. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, these are the sorts of really offensive uh, types of stories that are being purported, related because your imagination runs wild. As soon as you don't know something, you don't have the detail. You don't have the man in front of you. No. So there's just so much potential. And in a, yeah, in a world without mobile phones and internet, as you so rightly sta- said, y- people are just left to 
imagine the worst. Yeah, well, yeah. he's he's not in Rome. He doesn't appear to be taking a strong stance in governance, at least not in the way that the Senate expects him to. No, I mean, and Tiberius is basically, he's in power from AD 14, he retires around 26, and he doesn't die until 37. So, I mean, mm. this is a significant chunk of time that he is basically absenting himself from yeah. his proper place. Yeah, and, um, and this is giving plenty of chance. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of, of unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff going on in Rome which he probably should have been a little bit more involved in, in that with the downfall of Sejanus, there's a, there's a fallout, you know. Look, yeah, yeah, you really should have been there. Yeah, because obviously when you have someone who was that central to, to Tiberius's rule suddenly accused of being, you know, well, a traitor, I guess, um, you know, all of a sudden Sejanus falls down. You can imagine how many people were sucking up to Sejanus with Tiberius well, and, out of the picture. And this is a huge problem as yeah. well. The fact that he has virtually left Rome in charge of somebody who doesn't have the family background no. or the illustrious reputation for mm, it. This no. is this is Sejanus would be offensive to the Senate. Absolutely. But there are still people who obviously, you know, could see the position that Sejanus was in and therefore became friends with him because that was the wise well, thing Well, if you've got to play that game, exactly. I suppose you got to, but you don't have to be happy about it. No, no, you don't. <laughs> but then again, you know, you have when Sejanus has a, you know, has his fall from grace, of course, it's, you know, Tiberius is left to wonder, who can I trust? Mm. And obviously there are people who are going to go down for being Sejanus' accomplices. Yeah, for sure. But you could easily mistake the innocent for the guilty in this sort of a circumstance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and sure. so there's there's a whole lot of horrible, you know, treason trials going on in the latter part of his reign. Yeah, there's a real sense of fear that yeah. sort of starts to surround the end of Tiberius' rule. Yeah. And so what starts off... Uh, and it, it's a shame, really, because Tiberius seems like somebody who's a natural collaborator. He's interested in working with people to solve problems. Yeah, it and should have been finds, the Senate's dream. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and when he finds it really hard to get anybody to work with him yeah. in a collaborative way, he kind of t- throws up his hands in horror yeah. and and just doesn't want to be there anymore. Absolutely. And, and it's that sort of... Uh, that sort of willingness to walk away, but mm. to not give up the role. Yes. Um, and that's that, just that it. makes yeah. it really tricky for him, I think, yeah. and leaves him with this sort of negative final legacy, if yeah. you like. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that, the, you know, the last few years of his reign, I mean, we do have, uh, you know, rather negative uh, accounts left because obviously the histories are written by people who are generally connected to the senatorial order or mm. of the senatorial order. Um, and particularly someone like Tacitus. Tacitus was writing under, uh, you know, well, under the influence of Domitian, basically, the memory of Domitian, who he lived under. And Domitian idolised Tiberius, apparently, and <laughs> there were also a round of treason trials during, during Domitian's reign. Um, yeah. And so you can imagine that this is a bit of a sore point for Tacitus, and he really doesn't like the mm. maestas, you know, anything. Even though it actually doesn't seem to have got too out of hand in Tiberius's reign. Mm. Like, Tiberius does tend to quash you know, trials he thinks are ridiculous. And even after Sejanus, he doesn't seem to have gone too crazy, considering. (laughs) Well, you know, let's be realistic. Yeah, there is going to be a bit of a bad period. But he doesn't seem to have gone absolutely mental. He's not a... He's not really a bloodthirsty. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, people have to be... I mean, the situation has to be addressed. Some yeah. people have to fall for this. Absolutely. Um, and there certainly were guilty people, let's face it. Yeah, you know, you could, you, Sejanus was not acting entirely by himself. No, presumably not. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that would be one And, and this cookie. is one of those moments where it's like, it's a real shame that yes. uh, Tacitus's account of the end of Sejanus isn't, isn't available to no, us. No, no, uh, if only we knew. <laughs> there's a big gap there where we don't get that sort of detail. Yes. Um, and presumably a lot of the trials are now missing because of that. Yeah, and I mean, we do get a few people 
who and this is what I mean when I say things might have got out of hand in in regards to like the atmosphere and that sort of thing mm. because you do have people you know for example or according to Tassos anyway committing suicide out of fear yeah. of being accused um, because if you committed suicide your will would still be valid you know your mm. property wouldn't be confiscated by the state which is one of the outcomes if you're found guilty of yeah, treason yeah. Um, so you know obviously that is partially on the people of Rome you know taking that that yeah, step yeah. but clearly they feel like it's necessary you know um, because there's such an atmosphere of mistrust mm. at that stage but it means that that ultimately for Tiberius everything ends on a, on a pretty low note yeah uh, and he sort of he gets this sort of bad rap because he's constantly sort of done what's been expected of him and done what was required of him and then ultimately it didn't work out <laughs> it didn't work out at all I mean because yeah throughout his entire reign he um he apparently tries to stick very closely to Augustus's policies yeah um now whether this is because he sees it as a way of legitimating his position by constantly reinforcing his connection with Augustus mm. or whether um you know whether he has some other motive you know who knows um whether he is legitimately you know trying to stay true to Augustus's wishes. You know, as you say, the, the pietas, you know. Yeah, I think part of this must be to do with the fact that, you know, Tiberius is in such a tricky position. He's really the person... I mean, it was always going to be hard for whoever was after Augustus. Absolutely, because Augustus I mean, did set such a high. Standard. Yeah, well, what do you do in that sort of scenario? It's not really a system, but it seems to be developing into one. Yep. Just maintain the status quo. Yeah, and so he, he he tries to follow Augustus's policies, you know, in regards to not expanding the empire beyond its current boundaries. Mm. Um, he, you know, he tries to stick to that, Germanicus a damn good job to try and foil that plan but anyway and um and you know he he also tries to you know manage the state finances fairly well he manages mm. you know even the more negative sources admit that he was very good in keeping um good men in the provinces yeah and and these are sort of the positives that we can take away that he yes. ha- he is a good military commander he yeah. is a good administrator yeah which is in- probably bad again because with the people he wasn't particularly popular because he didn't put on a lot of public games mm. he didn't undertake any grand buildings or anything like that he's kind of good at the details but he's not good at the really big picture stuff that he needs exactly to have a yeah so on. for the people of rome it was probably a bit of a lackluster <laughs> yeah 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 and so yeah his reputation <laughs> is really um you know tacitus is such a masterly writer that his account of of tiberius is has really shaped the way we see shaped him. his legacy for yeah. us yes most definitely yeah very very definitely um and and yeah i really do think the reason why i like tiberius so much is because it really is a tragedy you know he's <laughs> i really i'm sorry i'm being genuine here see no laughter i think that tiberius really was genuinely a good person but Ultimately, Placed in ultimately very difficult public circumstances. Yeah. And that did, he really just didn't have. Yeah, and very he made well. some bad choices. Mm. I don't deny that. But I think at, at his heart, he was a good person trying to do the right thing. Mm. And unfortunately, it just never worked out for him. And that's yeah. why I think he's really quite a tragic figure. Um, you know, whereas Augustus, on the other hand, you know, was in difficult situation after difficult situation. And yet. You know the gambles that he took, and let's face it, they were gambles. They oh, always look, paid off. The man, the man was lucky that his gambles paid off, and yeah. Tiberius was unlucky yeah. that his gambles did not pay yeah, off. Yeah, and absolutely. And then, as I say, there are, of course, moments where you can say, "Okay, yeah, he did not do the right thing." And I think, that, <laughs> yeah, the biggest mistake he made was certainly sleeping retiring. with small boys. Yeah. <laughs> With babies, God, that's such a, such a bad image. But yeah, his, his ultimate tragedy was that he did eventually just give up on it. Yeah, um, yeah. and he shouldn't have. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that, that <laughs> that's a somber note. Yeah. <laughs> but we do have some exciting news um, in that we're going to be returning to the salacious. <laughs> our, yes, our next episode will be far more salacious Absolutely, than this. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Um, we're not just dealing with political invective <laughs> and rumour, as we are mostly with Tiberius, it seems. We're going to be doing a special episode um, to space out the uh, the reigns of Tiberius and Caligula. We're going to take a pause and we're going to look at <gasps> Ju- Julia, the daughter of Augustus and... Ah, oh, Julia. Yeah, Julia, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and part-time wife of Tiberius. <laughs> ah, yes. She's quite the character. We can promise you lots of fun times and hijinks. <laughs> So we will catch you next time, listeners. Adieu.